It's worth knowing what's really going on. This is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. This is Access Atlanta, your weekly look at what's fun, entertaining, and educational in and around Atlanta. I'm your host, Shane Harrison. Every week, we're here to help you get ready for the weekend and bring you conversations with some of the most interesting people in arts, culture, food, and entertainment. Let's get started with a couple of events that are happening around town this week. There's something for everyone who loves music this weekend as two of the year's biggest local festivals get underway. Jam band Roots Music and environmentally focused Sweetwater 420 Fest returns after a pandemic-related hiatus the weekend of April 29th through May 1st at Centennial Olympic Park, preceded by a separately ticketed pre-party in the park on April 28th. Weekend headliners are Trey Anastasio Band, Oysterhead, and the String Cheese Incident. Returning to its usual springtime slot, Shaky Knees Festival takes place at Central Park April 29th through May 1st. A who's who of indie rock, punk, and synth-pop acts will grace four stages over the weekend, from headliners Green Day, My Morning Jacket, and Nine Inch Nails, to Spoon, Churches, and Death Cab for Cutie. Get the details on these festivals on AJC.com. Festive hats, tasty food, mint juleps, and a horse race are on the menu as the Kentucky Derby returns on May 7th. You don't have to travel to the Bluegrass State to join in the fun. There are plenty of ways to celebrate and watch the race right here in Atlanta, and we'll tell you about a few of them in this week's Go Guide section in the Friday, April 29th Atlanta Journal-Constitution and online at AJC.com. Stay tuned for more events later in the podcast, and after the featured conversation, we'll take a look at what the AJC is bringing you this week, both online and in print. But first, we'll hear from Georgia-raised rising star Zoe Renee, featured in the recent horror film Master. In the new Amazon Studios psychological thriller, Master, horror becomes a powerful vehicle to express how centuries of racism have infected an elite Northeastern college campus. Master continues a tradition established with Jordan Peele's groundbreaking 2017 psychological horror film, Get Out, which also used the horror genre to intensify the sense of isolation and terror a black photographer begins to feel while staying at his white girlfriend's remote upstate New York family home. Rising star Zoe Renee, raised in Fayetteville, Georgia, brings a complex blend of vulnerability and defiance to her starring role as Jasmine Moore, a freshman who is one of just eight Black students on the predominantly white Ancaster College campus that serves as Master's eerie set piece. 
Felicia Feaster recently spoke with Renee about the film, and she's here to bring us that conversation. Welcome, Felicia. Hi, Shane. So good to be here. It's great to have you. And uh, so this sounds like a, a pretty interesting film. And, and Zoe Renee, uh, a local rising star, is, uh, is front and center. It is. A, it's a very unsettling film. I have to say one of my favorite horror genres is psychological horror and films like The Shining or Rosemary's Baby, which I think have been an influence on this particular film, Master, that really deal with social issues and power dynamics and a lot of other content, you know, beneath that thrilling horror surface. And Master is very much in that vein. It deals with, you know, ideas of race and lots of fascinating topics in addition to being truly frightening and and also dealing with a topic I think a lot of us can relate to that first year of college and how hard it can be to get your bearings. You're alone, uh, you know, in, in a strange place for the first time in your life. And, and I think we can really relate to Zoe Renee's character initially because of that feeling. Yeah. And, uh, and you can see the film uh, streaming on Amazon prime, of course. And um, so Zoe Renee, um, has she done uh, a lot of things before this? I mean, this, she's, she's the star of this, right? Right. I think, you know, she has done quite a bit of work. Um, she was in the BET TV series, the quad, she has popped up in a lot of, of different productions, but this is, I think, in many ways, a breakthrough because she is the lead. Um, she stars alongside um, some pretty big talent. Regina Hall um, plays a professor in the in the film, and so she's definitely holding her own. I really love talking to Zoe because she's very much you know, a locavore. She's from Fayetteville. As you mentioned, she's very proud of the fact that she's from Atlanta and that it distinguishes her, even though she's working quite a bit in Los Angeles, she really holds on to that idea of, of being from this city and how it informed her. So I love, I love that aspect of the interview. All right. Well, uh, is there anything else we should know before we uh, hear from Zoe Renee herself? Just that I think it's really interesting. She um, is a young woman in her 20s and the director of Master is just 34 years old. She actually bases a lot of um, the feeling, the, the atmosphere of Master on her own experiences attending Yale and being, she's was born in um, Senegal and just her sense of isolation and some of the issues of race that came up when she was at Yale. So. Yeah, it's a it's a really loaded, um, layered film that's also a whole lot of fun to watch. All right. Well, let's uh, hear from Zoe Renee herself. And thanks so much, Felicia. Thanks, Shane. Talk to you soon. This is Felicia Feaster with Access Atlanta. I'm here with Zoe Renee, the star of the new Amazon Studios thriller Master. Hi, Zoe. Hi. So glad you're here with us. So um, you star alongside Regina Hall in Master, which is about a Black freshman at an elite, predominantly white Northeastern college that is haunted by its racist past. I kept thinking 
during master, geez, Jasmine really needs to go to an HBCU. And then I read in an Essence interview that that was sort of of interest to you because of the experience of shooting the BET series, The Quad, on the Morehouse campus. Mm-hmm. You know, I know we're talking fiction here, but did the experience of making Master make you reflect even more on the importance of HBCUs? Absolutely. It, it definitely did. I think, you know, the moment I got to our set and the world that our director and um, all of the cast and crew created, it made me think the importance of HBCU. You know, it always feels great being in a place where you do not feel isolated. You don't feel like other. Um, And I think the beauty of HBCU and life on campus there is that there are so many people that reflect who you are and uh, encourage the parts of you that are the most honest. And uh, for for me working on, on the quad, I definitely was able to get a glimpse of that. So can you tell me a little bit about growing up in Atlanta, what neighborhood you were raised in, where did you go to school, any little tidbits about your past here? Yeah, okay, so I say Atlanta because for anyone not from Atlanta, they probably wouldn't know my little town, but I live in Fayetteville, Georgia, Um, so you know, it's about 35 minutes south of Atlanta, but I've been in in the city proper my entire life, you know, hanging out on the belt line and just doing fun things. This city truly will always be home for me. I can't even tell you how many people have told me, move to LA, move to LA, move to New York. And I'm like, I don't know. I just, I feel home here. It it feels like home. I have so many people here. Um, And also I just feel like Atlanta people are my people. So, you know, I'd rather stay here and fly out when I need to, but I always know this is my spot. Well, I'm going to be on Team Stay in Atlanta. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Do you think that your father, who is Speech, who is from the renowned hip-hop group Arrested Development, was he happy that you went into a creative field like acting? Yeah, my, my, my parents, Speech and Yolanda, they, they, always, they always encouraged it. My brother and I are, are both artists. I think it was probably a little scary, I'm sure, because he's had his own experiences in the industry and industry like uh like the music industry so I think he may have been a little nervous but I think he trusted us and because of his nerves he was able to like steer us in the right direction and I think he did a really good job at that. Did it feel like a different experience for you to be directed by someone so close to your own age, like Mariama Diallo, master's writer and director? I believe there's just maybe a four-year age difference between the two of you. Yeah, that's so crazy. It was awesome. It felt like, you know, I had a, a bit of a older sister on set, you know, kind of guiding me in the right directions and giving me all the knowledge that I needed to get uh, during the whole thing. So it was really nice. It also just helped, you know, with, with what we talked about and, you know, our preparation for the film. We had a really good, juicy chunk of time before we started shooting to prep, to rehearse, And all of the stories that we could exchange felt so close because we are so close in age. So it it was always a fun process and it has been, you know, we just had a whole week uh, or two of press and it's just been a fun time with my director. So it's cool that we can like work really hard together and we're also playing very hard together. So it's been fun. Can you maybe talk a little bit about that juicy process before you actually started shooting Master? Because I read somewhere that you uh, had films that you all watched together. Can you talk maybe about what those were? Were they films that 
or specifically about preparing you for the content or the the mood of master? Yeah, uh, Mariama is a film buff through and through. She loves film and is so educated in the subject. And I think she wanted our entire cast to explore uh, the wide range of horror and what we were about to dive into before we got there. A lot of a lot of uh, my castmates, this is their first time touching anything terrifying, spooky, paranormal. So she wanted us to be really comfortable. We spoke on Zoom pretty much every day over breakfast and talked and walked through what Jasmine's thought process would be. Um, we just really wanted to make sure that Jasmine had a life before college and that you could feel that. Um, and you know, because of that preparation, we were all able to go on to the first day of set feeling so good and ready and you know, bringing a lot of life to each character uh, before even like stepping on set. So I think hopefully you can see that in, in all of the performances that you see in Master. Please tell me that Jordan Peele's Get Out was one of the films that you watched in preparation. That is one of the films I watched solo, just me, by myself. I actually watched it and listened to the soundtrack a lot. The soundtrack is so haunting. So whenever I had a scary scene or anything like that, I, uh, I wanted to just get into the mode of what it felt like and Get Out soundtrack was always a, such, such a, a help. Um, but Get Out was one of them. Rosemary's Baby was one of them. Um, Let the Right One In, The Shining. We watched, we watched a lot of stuff. That's a, that's a great playlist. So yeah. um, I know that Mariama drew from her own experiences at Yale when she was writing Master. Did you discuss um, those elements in the Master script that maybe had been taken from her experiences at Yale? Yeah, we absolutely did. You know, she told me the background of why she even is calling it Master and what her experience was with a Master um, back at Yale. Um, and even just her experiences and experiences that we shared. You know, there's a scene where Jasmine goes to a party and, you know, it turns from this really fun, exciting college party to, huh, it seems like people are now watching me closely and trying to, you know, get some, some evidence of how to be, you know, a certain thing. And it slowly switches and we see that really sick turn. Um, but yeah, things like that have happened um, to both of us. So I think we really spent a lot of time talking about the similarities and the experiences that we share. Yeah, that's a very disturbing scene, how quickly, as you describe it, it shifts in, in tone. This is Access Atlanta. I'm your host, Shane Harrison. We'll continue with our chat with Zoe Renee after a short break. But first, here's more of our list of things to do around Metro Atlanta. Terminus Modern Ballet Theater's Peter and the Wolf is part of the Alliance Theater's Toddler Takeover Festival, which returns to the Woodruff Arts Center this weekend after a two-year COVID-19 hiatus. Alliance Associate Artistic Director Christopher Moses described the event as a complete arts festival with visual and performing art and opportunities for art making designed for the youngest audience members. The Terminus Alliance collaboration has been in the works since 2019. Terminus Artistic Director John Welker approached Moses with the idea of creating a dance work for outdoor performance for the 2020 Toddler Takeover, but that was canceled because of the pandemic. When live performances began to pick back up last year, 
and Terminus co-founder Rachel Van Buskirk pitched her idea for a new production set to Prokofiev's timeless orchestral fairy tale. Welker recognized it as a perfect fit for launching Terminus' family series initiative and reviving the Alliance partnership. Toddler Takeover will run Saturday and Sunday, April 30th and May 1st from 9am until 2pm. Peter and the Wolf will run multiple times each day. Read all about Peter and the Wolf and the Toddler Takeover in a story from our partners at Arts ATL. You'll find it online at AJC.com. The Love Shack is closing up shop. The B-52s, who formed in Athens in the mid-70s, announced what they are describing as a farewell tour later this year. The final stop will be at Atlanta's Fox Theater on November 11th and 12th. Currently, the tour covers just 11 cities, but expect more to be added. Pre-sale tickets are already available, and sales will open to the general public Friday, April 29th. Head to AJC's Georgia Entertainment Scene blog to get all the details. Now it's time for this week's adoptable pet from the folks at Lifeline, who run the Fulton and DeKalb shelters, along with the Lifeline Community Animal Center. Spotted Beauty Peyton is one of a kind, three years old, and has a friendly, gentle temperament. A Lifeline volunteer shared that Peyton is patient, has low to medium energy, and is great on the leash. She likes treats and responds well to direction. Come see if this sweet pup is the right fit for you. You can meet her at the DeKalb County Animal Shelter at 3280 Chambly Dunwoody Road in Chambly. You'll find a photo of Peyton and a link to find out more on the story page for this podcast at AJC.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is Access Atlanta from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The facts matter now more than ever. Get unlimited digital access to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution so you know what's really going on. And you're helping us fulfill our mission to bring you the news that's important to you. Subscribe today at subscribe.ajc.com podcast and your first month of unlimited digital access is just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com podcast to join the community for just 99 cents. Let's continue our conversation with Zoe Renee. I have found that people either love or hate horror. Are you a fan of the horror genre? Do you have any particular favorite horror films? I am, I think I'm becoming a fan. I'm still scary. I, I get scared at pretty much everything, but um, I think I can appreciate uh, ones that not only are, are saying something, but also uh, ones that can kind of get me off my feet and, and just kind of make me feel a little unstable. But I have to be with a group. I have to be watching every horror film with people. So. Safety in numbers, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think what makes Master so interesting and successful is it renders the invisible power structure of racism as supernatural. It's a great way of conveying how something that might not always be explicit and visible to everyone is still very much there. Do you feel like horror was a good genre to convey some of these ideas? Yeah, I, I do. I think 
it's a bold genre, but I also think that we can measure the urgency of each of these situations that, that Jasmine goes through. And I think the only thing that matches this type of urgency is horror. And uh, I think it's a really perfect way to have this discussion, to show these stories. When we think about it on the most um, high stake, uh, you know, platform. So horror was such an amazing, uh, you know, avenue to, to deliver this story on. I, I think it just, it shows us, you know, I guess the, how far we could go with it. We're really able to push, you know, the urgency. And I think that's what, that's what makes telling these types of stories so cool. And you had a lot of scenes with Regina Hall, she's almost your double in the film. She's sort of an older version of a lot of what you're going through in the film as this um, successful school administrator who's had her own, you know, history with racism. Can, did she share any kernels of insight into the acting process or any professional advice um, that really stuck with you? Uh, she didn't share any, but I think that's because she she really led by example, which is the coolest thing. You know, I I learned so well that way, and I think watching her move and be on set was such a learning experience for me because I was really just able to see how exactly how I want to do it, exactly how I want to behave on set, exactly how I want to treat people. She's so kind. She's so gentle. She's funny. Like if there's ever a moment where we're all tense and like so much is happening, she's 100% the one that will come through and break the tension and we get back to like laughing and having a good time. And then, you know, she, she's just perfect at it. So she taught me so much without even having to like walk me through step by step. And I think that's the most like admirable, you know, thing as, as I watch her, like I'm watching and she's doing such a great job. She's marvelous. You're both marvelous in the film. Was was there a moment or a scene in Master you've shared, you know, something that that was taken from Mariama's experience, but was there a scene that felt particularly true for you that intersected with your own experience in Master? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, there's a scene where all the girls are sitting in the dorm room and it's the first night of college and they're drinking and they're saying never they're playing never have I ever. And I remember the feeling uh, that Jasmine felt, but I, I've also felt it where they, you know, people come into new situations having so much, you know, more uh, reason to get along and to connect and, you know, all of these things, even coming from Atlanta, which is w way smaller than New York or LA, which are, you know, two of the places that I work a lot. You know, a lot of people have had so many different experiences of different schools they went to, different vacations they've done upstate. And I'm like, but have you been to Blue Ridge? Because I have, you know. So, you know, it's these things where, you know, it's a totally different culture here in Atlanta than it is in New York and LA. And I'm so in love with my culture, but it is also so different. And I've felt that before where you're just a bit of an outsider, you know, small town girl. Uh, and you have definitely felt that. Now I have so much pride and I think what, what Jasmine was maybe missing on her side a little bit, I have so much pride that I come from a different space and that I have, you know, old country stories to tell and, you know, all of that stuff. So it feels, it feels cool to, to be the, uh, the Atlanta girl. Absolutely. Sometimes it's, it's okay to be unique. Yeah. <laughs> 
So there are obviously so many moments in this film of micro and macro aggressions coming from white characters in Master, but I thought it was interesting that Mariama Diallo also included moments between Jasmine and a black cafeteria worker or between Jasmine and her black professor lived live played by Amber Gray that showed some tension between black characters, maybe some internalized racism. How did Mariama Diallo explain those moments to you or was it easy for you to understand that dynamic? I think, uh, I think it was a bit hard for me to understand the dynamic. I think it was one that I didn't want to dive into out of fear of digging something up that just wasn't ready to heal. Um, I think walking through and, and her walking me through scenes, um, I understand it now. When we look at Ann Caster and just, I guess, the, the hole that it is and how you know, deep into it you can, you can get when you're going there, we see these black characters have an extreme reaction to Jasmine. And I think there could be a couple of reasons why. I think it could be because they know what's coming. Why would she come? Why would she come to the school? Why, like, girl, you messed up. And now I don't know if I really can even, you know, co-sign that you're here. Or it could just be that, yes, there, there are some, there are some internal things that just have not, they have not worked through where they feel like they have to put up this, you know, big act for the rest of the students there. But when they see me, they're like, oh, she can keep it moving. She already knows, you know. So I think, it, you know, there's a lot of, of different layers in play uh, when we see Jasmine interact with the different Black people on set or in that world. Those are really fascinating insights. Yeah, you're right. It is a very layered and complex film um, for that reason. I think one one evident um, reflection of that complexity is how um, costume and hair and things like that change. I, I've seen a couple other reviewers comment upon how your hair changes, you know, over the course of the film and maybe what that reflects about your character. Can you share what you and Mariama talked about regarding Jasmine's hair? Yeah, so Mariama wanted the hair to play a role we can kind of, um, the hair informs where Jasmine is uh, mentally um, throughout the entire movie. You know, when we first meet Jasmine, it's the first day of college and she's got her beautiful curly Afro, which has always worked for her in the, in the past. And it was accepted where she came from and nobody asked any questions. That's just Jasmine. And I think as she moves through the school and she starts to clock that everybody else, you know, pretty much looks the same. Her number one goal is, I think I, I want to make sure that I don't, I don't necessarily want to stand out. My thing is that I want to go here and I want it to go completely well. I don't want to be the sore thumb. So let me figure out a way that could help uh, with that journey. And I think one of the things that she decided to do is press her hair and straighten it. And uh, she's just hoping that that will be a game changer for her. Well, I can't recommend this film enough. It's so thoughtful, so genuinely eerie and, and scary. So I think it'll delight horror fans on that level, but then it has all of these incredible sociological messages going on that are so important. And I'm so grateful to you, Zoe, for taking the time to speak with us and share some of your amazing insights into the film. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
The AJC brings you the best of what's happening in and around Atlanta on accessatlanta.com, along with deeper looks at trends in arts and entertainment and compelling looks at lost bits of history. Here's a taste of what you'll find there. As 2017 was drawing to a close, Stephanie Nadi Olson started to notice a few trends in the way we were living our lives. Chief among them was how we increasingly shared services we hadn't before, often with people we didn't know. We were sharing rides to the airport, sharing grocery shopping duties, even sharing our homes. As she surveyed the economic terrain of our personal lives that year, Olson realized that it wouldn't be long before sharing talent would become a thing in corporate America. Olson took that single observation and launched a successful tech startup called We Are Rosie that connects employers with employees and provides continuing education and a sense of belonging to 12,000 independent marketing and advertising professionals. Read all about Olson and We Are Rosie in the Sunday, May 1st, Living in Arts section in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, or read the story online at AJC.com. Sneakers have an undeniable currency in pop culture. They are status symbols, testaments to brand allegiance, enmeshed in many ways with their owner's identity. Artist Gary Lockwood, who is also known as Freehand Prophet, has created artworks that play into and expand upon the meaning of sneakers. Inspired by hip-hop's sampling and mixing of musical phrases and beats into new forms, Lockwood contorts and manipulates Air Jordans, Yeezys, Reebok Instapumps, and Nike Air Max sneakers, among many other coveted and rare kicks, into masks with a history-tripping blend of tribal, industrial, and pop culture associations. With a look that blends the ancient and sci-fi, the masks evoke a Mad Max Fury Road futurescape where ordinary mass market materials are remade into talismans for intimidation or protection, like 10th century samurai masks crafted for a post-industrial age. Face value at SCAD Fash features 30 of Lockwood's masks and will run through September 11. Check out our interview with Lockwood in this week's Go Guide in the Friday Atlanta Journal-Constitution or read it online at AJC.com. And don't miss our upcoming podcast conversation with the artist. If you're listening to this podcast on AJC.com, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you'll never miss an episode. For more things to do in and around Atlanta, go to AJC.com. The podcast is edited by Tyson Horn. The theme music is by Bo Emerson and Billy Guin. And I'm your host and the AJC's arts and entertainment editor, Shane Harrison. Join us next week for more Access Atlanta.